Kate Sherritt, Bickley, and Murata will be live from Salt River Fields tomorrow talking Diamondbacks. Tune in at 6 a.m. tomorrow on Bickley Murata Mornings. You hump. Well, Sarah just mentioned it in the update. It's like going to the principal's office, except it's not really our report card. (laughs) But uh, the NFLPA put out their report cards for every team. I really thought this was going to be every other year, but here we are. They did it in 2023, kind of surprised everybody, and now we're doing it in 2024. Added a couple categories this year, too, Wolf. Yeah, I I saw that, man. This topic, based on earnings, it really uh, messes with me, Luke. I think you know that. It really does. Um, Torn on this, based on earnings, because it's important. Because players say it's important. So if you're a team, you got to listen. Yeah. Um, (laughs) Well... The one thing that really works against the Cardinals as I was looking at this is just alphabetically, they're the very first one. So anybody that just happens to click on it and reads through like three teams, you're just going to read through the Cardinals, the Falcons, <laughs> and the Ravens. Uh, so what they did, this, so last year they had eight categories, and uh, this year they have 11. So a lot of the categories, the, the eight are back, plus they added, um, they added food slash cafeteria, they added head coach, and they added owner. Uh, in general, last year this was this was a problem for the Cardinals. I think their overall rank, if I remember right, last year was 31 uh, out of 32 teams. And like you said, you know it it matters, but I, I do think you have to take it with a grain of salt. It matters because this is what the players are saying, but it's also just keep it within context, right? Like last year, the big deal is like, oh, the Cardinals weight room. It it was painted like they had like two dumbbells. In, like, an apartment room or something, and they weren't even the same weight. Like, no, it's still an NFL weight room. Now, maybe they need to improve it. Yeah. But let's not pretend that right. they're staying at, like, some tiny motel on the road either. They're staying in a really nice place, and they're traveling pretty well. Yeah. Um, you know, listen, um, it matters because, once again, the players care about this kind of stuff. I wish that they didn't base it on needs. As a matter of fact, if I were Monty Ossenfort, I'd be looking for dudes who really didn't care about this kind of stuff. I really would. Because I guarantee you, they're still out there. They are. Everything the Arizona Cardinals facility building could possibly, everything their organization could possibly give some kid coming out of college, he could he could thrive in the NFL. He could. He's got everything he's going to need right here. Free agency is real. And it's a significant part of team building. And players look at this stuff, and that's the reason why the Arizona Cardinals have got to look at this as well, well because players look at it. And this this is the way I look at it. Maybe it's just me, but I took last year's grades, and I put them up against this year's grades because the biggest thing for, for me is did they listen to the players, and are they improving things? And I'm not expecting all A's, but is there an improvement over last year? Last year there was eight categories, and the Cardinals got an F or lower in five of them. This year, there's 11 categories. The Cardinals have two Fs. So I'm not saying that, like, hey, right, party time. Right. But it's <laughs> at least, like, some of these categories, they, like, training room. Last year, they got an F minus. This year, they got a C minus. Uh, weight room. Last year, F minus. This year, a C minus. So, you know, uh, nutrition. Last year, F minus. This year, a yeah. C. So yeah. now, again, this, this isn't like the scientific method here where they're grading this. You got new players on the team this year that might not have the same 
grading system as the guys last year. I mean, this is an inexact science, but overall, I get why the NFLPA does this. And like I said, the biggest thing to me is not specifically what the grade is. It's is the grade going up from where it was last year. Yeah, exactly. Um, you know, once again, the reason why I'm in conflict on this so much of the time, Basinonians, is do your job. Do your job and please don't blame any of these categories for why you didn't do your job. <laughs> yeah, and this is where it gets personal with me right now because you know what? I heard every excuse known to men back in the day. Every excuse as to why you didn't do your job. Why you got your face kicked in on the football field. I heard every excuse there was. And saw it and witnessed it with my own eyes. I would imagine in NFL locker room, to some degree, there's still a lot of guys. I don't think that has changed anything. I think there's still probably a lot of players that would blame anything and will blame everybody else but themselves for why they just got their their teeth kicked in. Okay? I don't think that's changed. I think that's human nature for the most part. And that's why it gets personal with me because I start thinking about this. The, the training room wasn't nice enough. That's why I sucked buttermilk. Because the training room wasn't nice enough. They didn't give us special deals on additional tickets for family. And that put me in a losing state of mind. You know what I'm saying? I'm just saying right now, there are a lot of guys that will point to some of this stuff and say, Aha! That's the reason why I didn't make it. That's the reason why I didn't. I wasn't able to have a good season. When everything, as a football player, you would possibly need to go out and drive somebody into the ground is right there. It's right there for you. Now, again, is it as nice as somebody else's? I, I'm sure. I'm sure there's a lot of teams and facilities that are out there that have better facilities. But if I were to walk somebody in off the street... Okay, somebody who's, you know, familiar with a weight room and somebody who's familiar with a facility building, somebody who's familiar with football. If I were to walk you in there, I, I, I challenge you to tell me they don't have everything you need to be the best pro you can be. Other places might be nicer. There's no doubt about that. Don't tell me this is the reason why you're not doing your job. The only thing I would say to all that is that it's not like it's not like four unanimous or uh, anonymous Cardinals players like went to the athletic and they were like, hey, write this story. We hate this and this and this. They were given the survey and asked to fill it out. You sure. know what I mean? It's not like they're putting a, a suggestion box up outside of Jonathan Gannon's office and players are being like, hey, the weight room's not good enough. Uh, I'll read through what they got real quick. The two F's were the locker room and owner uh, D's. They got a D for food, which is a new category. D plus for treatment of families, um, C for nutrition, C minus for training room, C minus for weight room, C plus for strength, uh, strength coaches and team travel, B for training staff. And how about this new category head coach? A minus. A minus right there. Yeah. You know, once again, I'm, I'm stressing the fact that this is important. You, you have to pay attention to this stuff. If you are the Arizona Cardinals, because would you say free agency is a big part of team building? <laughs> yeah, yeah I, I think we, we would. Probably not a coincidence they put this out right before free agency, too. <laughs> exactly right. Oh, we'll just throw it out. I don't know. Let's say like February 28th and I, see. I would just say this right here. Think of James Conner. Think of Buda Baker. Think of those two guys specifically and how they play the game. 
Do you think any of these 11 categories right here are going to dictate how they play the game? I don't think James Conner even takes the survey. <laughs> him specifically, just I just saying, see him handing it to him and him being like, right now. It doesn't oh, yeah, mean the Cardinals that. shouldn't try to get better. They should, of course. They need to. Because, again, players look at this stuff. The NFLPA makes sure they look at this stuff right now. They have to listen. All right, we come back. What kind of wide receiver prospect is Roma Dunze, and should the Cardinals potentially be interested? We're going to ask the co-host of Brock and Sock on Seattle Sports, Brock Heward, pretty familiar with Roma Dunze. He'll join us next. It's Wolf and Luke on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Hey, it's your old pal Jarrett, otherwise known as Handsome Jay. The Suns finally return to the court tomorrow night. And will Bradley Beal, Bradley Heal, enough to play? We'll talk about it tomorrow on Bickley Murata Mornings at 6 a.m. on Arizona Sports. All right, welcome back to the show. It is Wolf and Luke on a Wednesday morning. Talking to uh, Brock Heward here shortly, co-host of Brock and Sock on Seattle Sports. They had Roma Dunze on their show last week. They're obviously very familiar with Roma Dunze as well. I tell you, Wolf, I know I've said this in the past when the Cardinals play the Seahawks, but my Seattle friends that are Seahawk friends constantly lament that they let Buda Baker get to the Cardinals. (laughs) Similarly to the way we used to lament that the Cardinals let DK Metcalf get to the Seahawks. Yes. But it's it's more personal up there because Buda, you know, grew up there and everything. Um, I'm hoping it's a similar thing if the Cardinals end up taking Roma Dunze, that it's somebody that uh, the Seahawks are like, hey, I mean, the Seattle doesn't really need a receiver, but take somebody else from the Huskies. Cardinals have had success taking players from the Huskies before if it comes down to this. Yeah, um, Roma Dunze. I, I love this kid. Um, I love the fact that he's working out. I do. I'm going to admit that. I love the fact he's going to go to Indianapolis. He's going to go to the Combine, and he's going to and is going and doing it. He's there, and he's working out. I, I love the fact that he's participating in all of this because he could argue the fact I've got a lot to lose as well. He could argue that, too. Maybe I go out there and I don't run a great 40 time. You know what? But maybe he's going to bet on himself and bank on himself. Maybe he is going to go out and run a good 40 time, a great 40 time. I'm reading a couple of the quotes from the interview, too. He said he'd like to run a sub 4-4. That's his goal. Um, but he also he also said that he... I was just going to say this quickly. If he does, look out. Well, yeah, then, I mean... Look out. If he does run a sub 4-4... A four three eight, four three seven, whatever it may be. He'll pass neighbors. Let me tell you right now, man. He'll pass neighbors if he's not already ahead of neighbors. But um, he's not. He's not like unanimously ahead of neighbors. I think that's probably a. I'm guessing about fifty fifty for the teams. I think a lot of it's on, on what you need, and so. On a simplified level, it's like, do you want a powerful, bigger possession guy like Roma Dunze, or do you want like the fast guy like Malik Neighbors? Neighbors isn't running. So if Adunze goes out there and, and proves himself to be a fast guy, too, you know, we can say that teams put too much stock in the combine, but I, I do believe in as like a tiebreaker, it's valuable. I just wouldn't draft a guy just based on what he does at the combine. Exactly. But if you got these two guys this close together, and I'm guessing they're pretty close together on most teams' boards because they're very close together on every draft board that we've seen, and they... I mean, they're both really good receivers in college football last know, year, too. I, is it possibly? Is it is it possible somehow, some way, that Roma Dunze could leap over Marvin Harrison Jr. and some yeah. 
Yeah, I, I believe it is possible right now in the eye of the beholder. I, I, I wouldn't go there yet. I go, the I eye wouldn't. Of the, no, I'm talking about is there a, is there a team out there? That do- yeah, yeah. Uh, it's possible. There's no doubt about it. What if that team's like I right mean, down the street? Think about this: when you see all these rankings of players, regardless of position, rankings of players, and those three guys are right there, four, five, and six. Yeah. Well, the, what was the ranked. list? We were looking at. I think that was Daniel Jeremiah's list the other day. They were two, three, and four. Okay, so once again, Basin, don't even stop and think about. It. Do you think there might be some scouts out there that have the same kind of ranking? Those three, very, very close together. Yes. And what is it? It's the eye of the beholder once again. Could one scout have him, Roma Dunze, ranked over Marvin Harrison Jr.? Yes. Now a team, collectively, with all their scouts and the general manager? I don't know. Here's Jonathan Gannon from the Combine yesterday. He was asked how he feels about his receiver room. I like it. I like it. Good blend of speed and and uh, size and ball skills and um, I thought that they did a good job of getting better and better and better each week. Drew Terrell did an excellent job with those guys, especially working around, as everybody does, some of the injuries. Um, but uh, I like where that room's headed. The other part, if you can get Marvin Harrison, I, I, this this is, like I'm in the danger zone with <laughs> all of you on Marvin Harrison Jr., but I don't know what's beyond the danger zone or the more like this has to happen. I just... You have to get one of them. I really feel like you have to get one of the top three. And for me, for the Cardinals, I would much rather it was Marvin Harrison Jr. or Roma Dunze than Malik Neighbors. I think you have to get one of you have to get one of the three. Ideally, it's one of those two. In a perfect world, it's Marvin Harrison Jr. But I just, it's a need. I know Jonathan Gannon just said he feels good about his receiver room. He's he's going to say no, they're terrible. Help me. Like he's, and it's not like they're bad. But if you get. Marvin Harrison or Roma Dunze, all of a sudden Michael Wilson doesn't have to be your big guy, right? All of a sudden, then Michael Wilson's maybe like your third option. And then if he has to miss a couple games, it's not the end of the world. Um, if you you don't know if you have Hollywood Brown or if you're going to replace him, I mean, the free agent market for receivers, it's kind of like here's some really expensive guys like Mike Evans this year. And then there's a bunch of like kind of retreads at the position. I mean, there's a few that I like, but... Would you rather pay a bunch of money in free agency for Calvin Ridley or draft Roma Dunze? Yes. Um, for me, draft Roma Dunze. Yeah, I'd like both. If, but, if Marvin yeah. Harrison Jr. is not there, once again, yeah. I'm just not coming off that. Um, I, I love his length. It's all about his length. And I know that Roma Dunze actually compares a little favorably to Larry Fitzgerald in his build, how Larry was built. And the six three as well, right? So you know, I mean, I I understand that Larry wasn't necessarily long and lean and not too far in between. And you know, and now Are you all rhyming? Of a sudden, yeah, I was. And <laughs> the fact that he was six four and long, right? I I mean, I think that is a situation right there where um, I think it's more important because of Kyler Murray than it is for maybe any other quarterback I, that is out I there. I agree. I agree. And and that's not to say that Kyler Murray can't throw to a, a shorter receiver, but it's like why wouldn't you why wouldn't you give yourself the best chance to win? Your quarterback is a little bit shorter. That's that, 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 he doesn't hide from that. I mean yeah. his comment on that in the past has been, yeah, I've been short all my life. Like this isn't new to me. Give him big receivers. Like why 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 try to reinvent the wheel? Well we're gonna have to go smaller. Why? Because we want to prove he can do it. How about win games? <laughs> How about we just do that? I love that, though. With Michael Wilson, of course, his size, he's, he's a legit 6'3". 
Um, man, if you could have Marvin Harrison Jr., we've talked about this, Trey McBride as well. Man, if you could just get that big number one and how it's going to help Trey McBride and how Trey McBride will help that number one. Huge. Uh, more from uh, from Monty Austinfort at the Combine yesterday, specifically talking not about Hollywood Brown, but Greg Dortch. I think Greg's made a lot of plays. Greg's, Greg's made a lot of plays before I got here. Greg made a lot of plays when he got his opportunity. So, you know, Greg's a guy who's always ready to take advantage of whatever opportunity he gets. And when he when he's taking advantage of those opportunities, he earns more opportunities. So, you know, Greg does a great job for us. Uh, Greg's tough. He's he's uh, he's physical after the catch for a smaller guy. Um, you know he reta- he took a step as a punt returner last year. So you know Greg made a lot of plays for us, and and he's going to make a lot of plays for us next year. Oh, he said Greg's name a lot in there. I don't know what that means, but he said Greg a lot. Um, if you if you look at the Cardinals like depth chart from last year at receiver, what would you probably go Hollywood, then Michael Wilson, then Rondale Moore, then Greg Dortch? Just kind of yeah. where they are right now. Yeah, probably. Um, I, I would even put. Greg Dortch in front of him. Yeah, yeah, that's that's kind of where I was hesitating. So yeah. okay, so but I mean, if if you Greg draft, Dortch is a football player. I got to tell you right now, I would like he, to he keep is. him around. I would just like him to be my fourth receiver. He, I'd, I'd like him to be number four, of course, um, five seven, one hundred seventy five pounds. Uh, I'd like him to be my punt returner. That's what I'd like. He's an excellent return guy, in my opinion, and he's fearless. You watch him play, and he's absolutely fearless. Yeah, I'd I'd love it if the torch was back. So if you draft one of those three guys, Neighbors, Adunze, or Marvin Harrison Jr., you figure, I'm figuring they either are going to have Hollywood Brown or he's going to go and they're going to sign a free agent, right? I mean, if you let Hollywood go, I don't know that you're just replacing him in the draft. So in theory, you could push everybody down a spot. You could have Marvin Harrison Jr., Hollywood, or a free agent. Then Michael Wilson's your three. Then Greg Dortch is your four. I don't know how you want to, if Rondale Moore is your five or if he's still in the plans or whatever, but it just, being able to slot everybody down a spot, I think really helps. And then you have Trey McBride. Yeah, and then you have James Conner. <laughs> That's really important as well. It you is. have James Conner base earnings because what is James Conner going to be doing? He's going to be running at the line of scrimmage and there's going to be linebackers sucking up because they're afraid that they're going to get trucked by James Conner. Text us your thoughts to the FanDuel text line at 620-620 right now. I don't know are those thoughts about James Conner trucking people. And then you throw it over their heads when they do that. Uh, we come back. What's Tory Lovello preaching to his guys as they head towards the 2024 regular season? It's Wolf and Luke on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Be patient with me. Someone to get money it's Jarrett Bickley and Murata will be live from Salt River Fields tomorrow talking Diamondbacks. Tune in at 6 a.m. tomorrow on Bickley Murata Mornings. You hump? All right, welcome back. It's Wolf and Luke on a Wednesday morning. <laughs> what are you doing over there? <laughs> just seriously, somebody need give me the lyrics and I'll do this, what this guy was okay. just doing right there. I think yeah. I could actually pull that off. I think you could off. do it. But you need the, the lyrics written for you, so that's only... Yeah, right. Uh, yeah. Exactly, because I don't know what he's saying. Yeah, but I mean, what if you just wrote your own lyrics? Yeah. He's yeah. talking about the rapper Pitbull. That, do you know who Pitbull is? Yeah, I do know who Pitbull is. Mr. Worldwide, right. Mr. 305. He's bald, right? He is bald, yes. Okay, there you go. Yes. Right. I, I, I know what I'm talking about here. <laughs> Pitbull. All right. I don't know what you're talking about, so 
I'm glad one of us does. Um, the Diamondbacks are playing the Guardians today. Still yeah. getting used to saying the Cleveland Guardians. I know. Uh, Brandon Fott supposed to pitch today. Eduardo Rodriguez pitched yesterday. We were out there at Salt River Fields. We're going to be out there again on the 5th. That's like next week, isn't it? Yeah. Oh. <laughs> That's kind of That's the way nice. it works right there, wow. right? The 5th. Then we'll be out there on the uh, 18th as well. Um, Tori Lovello, we got to talk to him yesterday, which, <laughs> how much did that throw you off that he came walking up like a half hour before the game started? I was like, yeah, I'll sit down and do the interview in person. <laughs> Just incredible. He really is. He did not have to do that, and yet he did. That's who Tori is. Uh, he talked about the off-season acquisitions. Yeah, we sign up for pressure, right? You put on this uniform, <laughs> it's full It's full of pressure. That's why you get the hat. Right, I, right? I was out to dinner last <laughs> night, and uh, you know, a friend of mine asked me, how do you manage your stress? And I said, sometimes I don't. Sometimes it's good. Sometimes it's not so good. But first of all, you know, the, the, the ownership, Ken, Derek, all the way down to Mike, um, it, I can't thank them enough because there were some needs that we had. And Mike and I were having conversations during the, cor- during the course of the year. So it's not a surprise when I ask for something or talk about something from my heart that I believe in that this team needs. There was a situation at third base last year where we had some revolving parts and nobody was consistent. The DH spot was a little inconsistent. So I felt very strongly those were two areas. Uh, you know, even though it worked out in the NLCS when we beat the Phillies using a bullpen, we might have been an arm short. He went out and addressed that. Uh, I, I am ready to manage this team wholeheartedly. I'm still getting to know him. It's super exciting. And we got we got three weeks to go uh, before things kick off, but we're, we're going to be race ready. Where do you start on that one right there? This is the first time I'm not saying Tory hasn't had good lineups to work with, obviously. He just went to World Series last year. So maybe first time isn't the right way to, to word it. This is the deepest roster he's had since he's been manager of the Diamondbacks, don't yes, you think? totally. And I mean, I'm, I don't need to sit here and, and talk up the job Mike Hazen and his staff have done because everybody knows they've done an incredible job. The thing, like with Mike Hazen, Wolf, just to go on a side tangent, even when the team wasn't winning a couple years ago, I think most Diamondbacks fans trusted that Mike Hazen would, would fix everything. Yeah. And he has. That's why he's freaky. <laughs> So, so now the pressure goes to Tory, right? Because here's here you got a roster, yeah, man. You think of Mike Hazen and how honest he was at the trade deadline. He did not feel like after the trade deadline, he did not feel like he got the job done for Tory yeah. in terms of the rotation. Remember that? Oh yeah, I know he was very. He clear. was really hard on himself. Yeah, and that's why I love Mike Hazen. That's why I love the freaky Mike that's Hazen. That's why they are set up as well as they are. It and might not be great for Mike Hazen to be that tough on himself, but it, it, the Diamondbacks are thriving because of it. You just can't you can't put a price tag on this working relationship between Mike Hazen and Tori Lovello. You just can't do it. I mean, you think about how far they go back mm-hmm. into the Red Sox organization, right? How far they go back. The, the friendship and the respect is there. And that's why this symbiotic relationship, professionally, is working. There is this understanding, this relationship, this work relationship that they have, where where somebody like Tori sees a Mike Hazen be as humble as he was in regard to saying, you know what, I, I didn't, I didn't get another starting pitcher, and we needed a starting pitcher. I did not do my job. I couldn't get it done. And he was beating himself on that, and he was doing it publicly. That's the thing. He didn't just say that to Tori. He didn't say that just to Tori. He and said that publicly. Also, we all— What do you think that means to Tori? Well, it's a great point. I mean, first of all, we all know that they were trying to get a starting pitcher at yes. the trade deadline. And ultimately, I would argue 
Like, yes, they needed a starting pitcher at the deadline. They didn't get one. Did it really hold them back? They made it to the World Series. I'm I'm not sure that they would have won if they had added. Sure. You know, pick. I mean, there was a few guys that, that got added at the trade deadline that were bad for their teams after they got them, too. Uh, so I don't know. I mean, it's not, it's not as simple now as like, well, if they had just added another arm, they would have won the World Series. I don't think it's that simple. I think it's more impressive to a certain extent they got there anyway. I don't think it matters to Mike Hazen. I know. I know it doesn't, and I'm glad it doesn't. That's what I mean. I I think it's awesome that it really doesn't matter to him. He felt like he failed Tory Lovello. And if I'm Tory Lovello and I'm a coach, I'm in that situation. I'm a skip, and I'm in that situation. And I hear my general manager say that, and with the conviction and the certitude in which he said it, man, uh, that that is that I think that was indicative of the great working relationship these two men have. It is one of those things that they the Diamondbacks have an advantage over a lot of teams because of just how lockstep Tori Lovello and Mike Hazen are and have been through good times, bad times. I mean they've they they oh, have had to deal some with some times. real bad stuff. Yeah, but they've they also I mean when they first got here, all of a sudden the team was playing better than it was expected, and all of a sudden you're like, you're in a wild card game, and you're winning that wild card game. Uh, now they've, I would say, have gone through the rebuild. I don't think anybody looks at the Diamondbacks and says, oh yeah, they're still rebuilding. They might still be building, but they're not rebuilding at this point. You've, you've got your team. They're down here on the farm. Uh, more from Tori Lovello when he was on with us yesterday. He talked about uh, how he's uh, how he wants his players to approach the season. The first thing I ask them to do is just be themselves. Come in here. Don't be a faker. Don't be a phony. Nobody likes that. And you can spot those people from a mile away. So come in here and be yourselves. I love the personality of, of Cattell Marte. He just doesn't care about anybody. He looks at that person on the mound. He's like, you have no chance. And it could be the best pitcher in the world. Like He, he sets a tone like, don't get in my way. I'm going to run you over. But very strong personality. I love Perdomo's, um, his, his ability to keep things fun and loose and, and, and you know get on his teammates and say, hey, man, we're out here to win a baseball game, but let's do it the right way and have some fun. So they're all different. They hold each other accountable, and that's what makes that room all good. That. Man, I love that as well, what he said about Cattell Marte right there. I, I, who knew Cattell Marte was a killer? <laughs> well, right? <laughs> Somebody just did not care who you were. Somebody's going to go out there and just for a push right through it all. Um, he did do that in the playoff. He last did year. do that in the playoff. Yeah. There's no doubt about it. But it's really cool to hear Tory say that about him. He's a killer. He didn't say that. He didn't call him that. I'm calling him that. Uh, as you quickly, Brandon fought too, just because I know you need to hear this. Uh, this cut, Wolf. This is Brandon fought on with Burns and Gambo yesterday. They were out there as well. Said spring training. Yeah, feels a lot different this year. It's a lot different, but but the same at the same time. And I think last year, looking back at it, you know, I was trying to make a spot. I was full bore at this point and um, competing every day. Every day was a was another challenge. And um, compared to this year, it's a little more set in stone. But but at the end of the day, I'm I'm trying to keep getting better, just like last year. And I I want to be better each and every day and each and every time I, I step on the mound. And last year he was. He was their top pitching prospect, and the the best thing we got on him was Merrill Kelly telling us to watch this guy this year. Right, right. that was that was spring training last year, trying to make the team, just trying to show you can pitch in the majors. Had never pitched an inning in the majors. This year, he's the guy that pitched and 
probably the highest leverage situations of any of their pitchers in the playoffs last year. Just be, just the way the schedule broke out. First first playoff game for the D-backs against Milwaukee. Closeout game against the Dodgers. Uh, the basically facing elimination game against the Phillies. Yeah. The eliminating Philadelphia Game 7. Like He pitched in all those. Yeah, you know, Savannah Shea Wolfley. Did you hear Brandon Font right there? Find a guy like Brandon Font. Okay, can I tell you that right now? This is... <laughs> The kid, the guy is so humble, and you can hear the sincerity in his voice. If your daughter listens to this show, I'm guessing she just stopped listening to this show. <laughs> oh yeah, I'm sure of that. <laughs> I don't think she listens, Luke. She doesn't want to hear her dad talk she four more like hours that a day guy with the voice. <laughs> Is that how, that's how she refers to you? No. Oh, that's probably good. All right. The uh, yes, it is good. <laughs> the Kyler Murray appreciation tour on social media from the Cardinals continues. Jonathan Gannon also spoke about his quarterback yesterday. We'll let you decide which one carries more weight to you. Uh, you're going to hear what he said next. It's Wolf and Luke on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Monty Asifort and Jonathan Gannon remain committed to building around Kyla Murray. What areas need to be prioritized in this pivotal offseason? We'll discuss on today's Burns and Gambo show, 2 to 6 on Arizona Sports. Hi, Wolf. Did you, uh, have you seen what the Cardinals are doing on social media? Yeah, I have seen it. So we talked about it on Monday because they had posted the uh, picture of Kyler Murray, and it just it, it said, uh, "What did it say? Franchise quarterback. Our franchise quarterback yes. was the post, right?" And we we're all kind of like, "Okay, that's that's interesting." Um, that was that was on Monday's picture of Kyler Murray, right? Uh, well, they didn't stop there. They then doubled down yesterday with uh, all things K one all week long. Looking back at some of our favorite memories we've had in the community with Kyler. Yeah. Okay. And a nice picture of him with a fan. Uh, and then later on last night, they had the, uh, it's like a painting of Kyler Murray looking off into the distance. Okay. And it says, the one and only. The one and only Kyler Murray. Okay. The mighty Kyler Murray. Why don't we ever do stuff like this with our show account about me? Well, I think you know why. Yeah, I do. All right. <laughs> Hang in there, though. Because you know you're loved. <laughs> So anyway, anyway, three of these in the span of, what, 28 hours, 29 hours? Something's up. Nobody <laughs> accidentally did this. Well, you know, maybe it's a situation where it's Kyler Murray week. That's what it is right there. I think they even said that, right? They they did say, um, yeah, they 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 called it Kyler Murray, Kyler Murray week. All, well, they said all things K-1 K- all week long. All week yes. long. There it is. All week long. So maybe that's the thing that's going to happen. Maybe tonight they come out with something else, right? And then the Thursday they would come out. And then Friday, of course. I'm kind of here for it at this point just because we played the uh, the cut from the, uh, I forget what national show it was yesterday, but it was talking about, a sportsman like, they were talking about how this must mean they're going to trade him and they're using this <laughs> to leverage. And then, and then they posted two more things about how much they love Kyler after that that uh, that right. interview. Yeah, the reverse psychology right there, yeah. right? That, no, this is, this is the kiss of death. This is going to drive up his trade value. That's, exactly. I just don't understand understand their logic on that one. I don't see that. I don't agree with that logic. Now, I don't really know what the Cardinals are doing, but I do like the fact that something like that is said nationally and they just decide to keep posting more things about how he's their quarterback. I mean, he is their quarterback. Yeah, it's he, not that's kind of undeniable. Yeah, no, he he is our quarterback right now and would you be doing this? Honestly, would you be doing this if you were going to move Kyle 
Kyler Murray. I mean, if you were going to do it, no, it'd be there's weird. no way. Now it would be would really weird. Why would you do it? Why would you be doing that? Because all it does ultimately is make you look bad in front of the public that you were doing this because we know this was from the organization that they're tweeting this out or Xing this out, whatever you want to call it right there. You know that. It's just, it's setting them up to look like, yeah, he's our franchise quarterback and we moved off him. And I, you know what I mean? It doesn't make you look good. No, and now, now it would, it would be absurd to do it because right? you're, you're dedicating, it seems like a whole week. We'll see if they post something else today to talking about how important he is to you. If you then traded him in two weeks, it would just be weird. Like if the Bears were doing this right now, if the Bears' social media was be like franchise quarterback Justin Fields, Our, and the one and only. About that. While Ryan Paul's also like, ah, we haven't decided what we're doing at quarterback yet this year. Yeah, that would be really awkward. That would be very, very awkward and very, very different. Uh, here's Jonathan Gannon from the combine yesterday talking about Kyler. Awesome. It'll be good for him. I know he's excited to go through OTAs, training camp. You know, preseason. Um, but man, he's in there every day. But I think that, you know, I think you saw late in the year kind of where we evolved to. And, um, you know, we'll pick up where we left off and then continue to expand for him what he's comfortable with. And as always, I thought Drew did a good job. Whoever we got in the fold, make sure that we're highlighting their skill sets. And, uh, but the, the, the game will go through one. Oh, and the game will go through one. That was the money cut right there. Do you think he was talking about Devin Booker, or was he talking about Kyler Murray? No, I think he was talking about Kyler Murray. The game will go through one right there. It's really interesting. Um, This is something that I think is only going to get better and better now. This is something to watch, though, base earnings. It is. The mentorship, if you will, of J.G. and Kyler Murray, just the fact that he's the head coach, of course, in this franchise, the fact that he's a defensive-minded head coach. I love this because he can talk to Kyler about how he would approach Kyler Murray as well, how he would look at him defensively, and what gives me problems. What do you do well, Kyler, that would give me problems? He can actually appeal on a different level to Kyler Murray than if he were an offensive-minded guy. And remember, we were talking about that before the hire, why I wanted a defensive-minded head coach for that very reason right there. I also think, too, on a personal level, it's not just professional. I think it's personal as well between J.G. and Kyler Murray. I think there is a a relationship that, that is strong in terms of allowing Kyler Murray to grow into all that he's got to be to lead this team. Um, you know, the, the thing he said there at the end, too, where the offense will, will go through one or everything will go through one. Um, you know, again, the, the social media thing, it's, it's kind of funny now just because it's clearly bothering some people. So now I would say just keep doing it, right? Like just, just three posts about Kyler today, four on Thursday, five on Friday, right? Just keep doing it. But that doesn't really mean anything to me as far as the the future of this franchise or where Kyler Murray is going to be. They're, they're posting a message, and that's great. It means nothing compared to the head coach saying all things are going to run through him. Because ever since Jonathan Gannon has gotten here, his actions and Kyler's actions, really, ever since Jonathan Gannon has gotten yeah. here, have backed that up. 
that that's where this is going. Yeah, you know, and once again, you know me, Dave Sarnians. I am the grass, you know, right? <laughs> I am right now, and I'm going to read into something <laughs> right here, okay? This is this could be a little dangerous here, and you know what? I fully admit that it could, Dave Sarnians, but you know me. I, I, I love walking out on that wire from time to time, and this is, this is something that would J.G., the head coach of the Arizona Cardinals, knowing that he's got a very close relationship to Monty Ford as well. Would he truly come out and say that everything is going to go through one? <laughs> no. no, no. If you knew, if, if he knew, JG knew, this is what I'm saying. If he knew, yeah, Monty's still, you know, question mark out there and we don't know. <laughs> he might actually move him, yeah. which he would know because you'd be having a conversation. You just wouldn't with say your general anything. If you were, you yeah. wouldn't say anything. Yeah. That's my point. You are right on that, Luke. You wouldn't say anything like that. This uh, this is Monty Austin Ford at the Combine talking about what it's like to be a team that doesn't need a quarterback at the draft. I think it's a good position to be in. You know, I think uh, the way Kyler came back at the end of the year um, gave us all a lot of confidence. The, the way the offense hit their stride, both running the football, throwing the football, um, and just getting Kyler's health ha- uh, back to a point where he could use his legs, use his arms, do the things that we're accustomed to seeing. So, you know, I think, um, as always, we're going to evaluate every position that comes in the draft. But, you know, knowing that Kyler is where he's at and not only where he's at, but getting better and seeing him work and progress the way he is. I think it's an exciting spot to be in. Yeah, it is. <laughs> it is an exciting spot to be in. It's right just a now. good spot Especially to be in. Especially because of the under center play. Okay? Just saying. Yeah, well, you do. The evolution of it all. We get to see it. Oh, some old school football going to knock your face off. Isn't that right, Kyler? going to line up and try to trick you as to who's got the ball. We're going to line up and try to truck you. I'm just looking at the other teams real quick as we're talking, just like a list of them and of the th- other 31 <laughs> that teams. That fires me up, man. I, <laughs> You fire I'm, yourself up. I'm serious, man. I, I mean, I, off the top of my head, I can find, let's say, 14 teams that would probably like to upgrade their quarterback right now. But just uh, 14 of the other 31, you know, give or take one or two, but I'm just counting through them real quick. The entire NFC South, for sure. Um, the teams that would like to uh, just upgrade their quarterback, it is a, it's a, it's a huge advantage to go into the draft and not need a quarterback. Now, I will reiterate what I said yesterday and the day before. To me, Kyler Murray's the quarterback for 2024, yeah. and they hope he's the quarterback beyond. But if he goes out there and is bad next year, this is where I think a lot of people got frustrated two years ago, and I get it. The thought was like, wow, the Cardinals aren't winning a game, and Kime and Cliff are going to be here for the next five years. Kyler Murray is here for next year. The plan is to have him here beyond that, too. But if the Cardinals are not good next year and he's not good, they don't have to stick with him. Yeah. So I'm just going to keep saying that each day because people are going to keep writing in and being like, you guys think Kyler's the greatest thing ever. No, I don't. But I would take him over about 20 of the starting quarterbacks in the NFL, and the Cardinals are sticking with him this year. Unless you want Kirk Cousins. That's your only other option. Love that, hang. Sorry, Kirk, but that really is your only other option for this year. Realistically. I like that. I really do. I, I, I like that. And I think this offense is going to continue to expand. You heard JG actually talking about that as well. You know what? Listen, we're, we're going to try to build off of what he did those last four games in particular. If you went back and look at the last four games, that's where you could actually see a lot more under center. It was interesting because 
they came out and remember, I think there were like eight snaps under center in his very first game yeah. that he came that back. That sounds right. right. And, and they and and suddenly, I think that went down. And I remember talking about that, saying, you know what? Hey, listen, he's he's they want him under center. I know they want him under center, and did because JG was talking about that. Um, but they weren't going to force him to do it. They were going to let him grow into it. And that's what they did. And he's going to continue to grow. That 25%, I think, might be a third. Could go as high as 33% of the time under center. We'll see. Coming up next, we're going to take you through the top stories of the day with Wolf and Down Your Lunch. It's Wolf and Luke on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader.